Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett with the Wednesday broadcast. So glad that you're joining us today. And listen, today I've got a very important subject that we're going to be talking about. And the subject is, how can I overcome temptation? And more specifically, I'm going to talk about how you can overcome temptation using the sword of the Spirit. You know, the Bible is very clear that the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a double-edged sword. That means the Word of God cuts us both ways. The Word of God is able to discern the intents and the thoughts of our hearts. So today, I want to encourage you that you can become an overcomer. You know, you don't have to succumb to temptation. God's Word has given us the antidote for overcoming temptation. Here it is, James chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 7 through 10. And James says this, Submit yourselves then to God. All right, submit. We don't like that word, do we? Uh, That's a tough word. That is relinquish control of myself, and I'm going to give that control to somebody else. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So two parts, resist the devil But first, I must submit to God. And then James says, Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve and mourn and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves, therefore, before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Wow. This is some good stuff here in three short verses. Submit, resist, draw near to God. He draws near to me. Wash your hands, you sinners. Change your laughter to the morning. That's confessing of your sin. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. So let's look at seven ways that we can overcome temptation using the sword of the Spirit. Number one, and they all begin with the letter S. And I do that for my purpose, not yours, so that I can remember it easier, okay? Letter S, be submissive. Submit yourselves to God. Now, notice that phrase, submit yourself. This is not a forced submission. This is I'm willingly submitting myself to God. Submit to the proper person, right? As I submit myself over to God, I am surrendering not only my physical body to him, but also my rights. I have no rights. My rights have been given over to Christ. In Job chapter 22 and 21, it says, Yield now and be at peace with him. Thereby good will come to you. Now, one of the reasons that we don't like to submit is because we feel like we're going to lose something. We're going to lose control or we're going to lose something in our lives by surrendering it. And that's why most people don't give. They don't submit their finances to God because they're thinking, the more I give to him, the more I submit to him, the less I will have. And this is why things fall apart in our lives. Because we are living under the illusion that we are really in control. As I get older, I realize so many things are beyond my control. And if I'm worrying about things that are beyond my control, I have no energy to control the things that are in my control. So first of all, we must, if we're going to overcome temptation, we must submit to the Lord. Now, everybody's submitting to something. The question is, what am I submitting to? Submit yourselves to 
the Lord. And then number two, also beginning with the letter S, I must be strategic in how I overcome temptation. The strategy is this, resist the devil. So don't put yourself in temptation's way. In Matthew 10, 28, Jesus said, Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. You know the worst thing that the devil can do to you? The reason we should resist him, the worst thing he can do is take your life, right? And he really can't even take your life unless he's given that permission. He can take your physical life with the permission of God, but he can't touch your spiritual life. As we think about resisting temptation, we must resist the devil. Don't put yourself in temptation's way. In other words, don't tempt the laws of nature. For example, I could say, I'm going to jump off this bridge and God in his sovereignty, if it's not my time to meet him, you know, Hebrews 9.28 says, it's appointed a man once to die after this to judgment. So I don't tempt fate. I don't tempt the laws of gravity. That'd be just stupid to do that, right? Here we see that we should fear not the ones who can kill the body, but not the soul, but rather fear the one that can destroy both. So be strategic in resisting the devil. Don't put yourself in temptation's way. Number three, be systematic. James says, wash your hands, you sinners. In other words, if I'm going to overcome temptation, I must be systematic. When I mess up, I must fess up. In other words, when I sin, don't just say, well, que sera, sera, whatever's going to be is going to be, right? Instead, you say, you know what, I I messed up and, and I just can't go on without addressing where I've messed up. I must confess this sin. In Luke chapter 11, we have an interesting story. The Pharisees have gathered together and, uh, and, and they're looking around and and the Pharisees see Jesus reclined at the table there, and, and the Pharisees see this, and, and, and they're, they're surprised, right? Because the disciples, as they're eating this meal together, they didn't ceremonially wash their hands. But Jesus said to them, now you Pharisees, you clean the outside of the cup and the outside of the platter, but inside of you, you're full of robbery, right? You're full of wickedness. You, you foolish ones. Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give that which is within as charity, and all these things are clean for you. And so Jesus is addressing this matter that so many times that we deal with the outward issues without dealing with the heart. And we go through this ceremonial cleansing, right? It'd be the equivalent of saying, I'm really, like, I don't want to get the coronavirus, so I'm going to wash my hands all the time but yet uh, we ingest things that are not good for us. Jesus is saying that as we look at our lives, we must be washing our hands and purifying our hearts. We must come to full confession of our sins. Maybe, just maybe, the reason you haven't got full traction in overcoming the sin that now has become a habit in your life is because you've never stopped and actually ask God to forgive you of that sin. Forgiveness is the first step that we take in eradicating the temptation to repeat the sin over 
and over again. Well, number four, we've talked about submitting ourselves to God. We've talked about being strategic, resisting the devil. We've talked about being systematic, constantly confessing our sins. Uh, I guess another verse we could use is 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all, all unrighteousness. And then number four, uh, we've got to be single-focused. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. So we have a single purpose, and that is to be like Jesus. Now, don't beat yourself up when you mess up and you become double-minded. Just confess. Paul said, I have not achieved it. I'm trying to be like Christ, but I am not there yet. But I focus on one thing. He says, I forget the past and I look forward to what lies ahead. Paul is always looking forward to the future. I love thinking about the future. We're in a brand new year. I think this is going to be the best year of my life. I'm going to say the same thing in 2023. I'm going to say the same thing in 2024, uh, because as a believer, our outward bodies may be perishing, but inwardly we're being renewed day by day. We're not worried about what's happening in the past. We're focused on one thing. We're forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. You know, if you're driving down the road, I hope that you're focused on what's ahead of you, not what's behind you. Listen, what's behind you is behind you. What is ahead of you can be either a blessing or disastrous. Be focused on what is ahead of you. Don't worry about the past. Don't worry about the mistakes that you made in the past. Oh yeah, you got to ask the Lord to forgive you of those, but don't become consumed with regrets. That will only give you guilt. You know, guilt does nothing to get you out of a mess that you're in. All it does is keep you in that trap. Confess that sin and move on. Well, number five, be sincere. Sincere in our confession. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Be remorseful over your sin by turning from it. In 1 Kings 18, 21, it says that Elijah came near to all the people and he says, how long Will you go on limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is Lord, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. They were in that valley of indecision. They're limping along, he says, and they can't figure out which way they want to go. They can't figure out if they want to serve God or if they want to serve Baal. Now, we have the same thing in our world today. You have a choice to make. And the choice is very simple. Do I want to surrender myself completely to God? Do I want to worship Him and obey Him and serve Him all the days of my life? Or do I want to serve myself? James says, grieve, mourn, and wail. You know, idolatry is a sin. An idol is anything that we have that we put before God. You know, sometimes good things become idols in our lives. I think about my wife. I love my wife. But if I'm not careful, I can idolize her. I can put her in a position that is a position that she is not able to occupy. She's my wife. She's not my God. She's not the first in my life. She's really the second in my life. The Lord is number one in my life. She's number two, but the Lord is number one in my life. You know, you can't have two number ones in your life. How do I know what is number one in my life? I think if you look at your life and you say, where is my time going? Where are my talents going? 
And where are my treasures going? Those are the three areas in our lives that kind of encapsulate what life is all about. How I invest my time. How I invest my talents that God has given me. And what I do with these wonderful resources that God has given us. What do I do with all this money that God has blessed us with? Those three areas should be areas that you are devoting first to Christ. You will discover if you are sincere in that, you will discover that you overcome a whole lot of temptations. You overcome the temptation of materialism by giving. You just give and you realize, hey, I don't need these things. I just give them. You know, the word of God is very clear. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. I tell you what, I'm just amazed over and over and over again with the fact that I cannot outgive the Lord. You know, over the Christmas season, I really felt compelled to help a few people. And and uh, and I decided that after praying that I was going to materially help some people. And I, I knew they were uh, going through a hard time. And so I decided that I would go ahead and, and help them. And and so, you know, I went ahead and helped them and really didn't think a whole lot about it. And uh, do you know that um, that every dollar that I gave in helping others, I more than double got that money back? It just blew my mind. Now, I didn't do it to get it. I did it to bless those people, and I did it because I felt like the Lord was compelling me to do that. I, I wasn't doing it for a, a pat on the back. I wasn't even doing it so that I'd have a good illustration to give with you on the radio broadcast. I did it. And all sincerity is because, man, God's blessed me, and I see a need. He's put it upon my heart to meet this need. And I tell you what, it's been so joyful. And, you know, I didn't lose anything by doing that. I gained joy. I gained blessing and favor. So be sincere, and you'll overcome temptation. Now, there's something else that you got to realize. If you're going to be successful in overcoming temptation, Using the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, James says, change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Now, serious determination delivers serious success. When you get real serious about overcoming temptation, that's when you're going to discover you are successful. James says, I got to stop messing around with this thing, right? Change my laughter to mourning. He's talking about the fact that we should be serious. Don't be lighthearted about sin. Don't say, hey, well, hey, we all do that. We all tell lies. We're all a little bit dishonest. We all take a little few things that don't belong to us. That's just human nature. No, no, no. Get serious about your sin. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Serious determination delivers serious success. And then last, number seven. We've talked about the fact that you've got to be submissive to God. Submit yourselves to God. You got to be strategic. Resist the devil. Plan on resisting him, okay? Don't get caught up off guard that temptation's coming away. Expect it. Resist the devil. Number three, be systematic. When you mess up, wash your hands, you sinners. Ask the Lord to forgive you. Number four, be single focused, not double minded, because a double minded man's unstable in all of his ways. Purify your hearts. Be single focused. Be sincere when you go through a time where you've missed a mark. Grieve and mourn and well. Be remorseful. Choose who you're going to follow. And then be serious. Change your laughter into the morning. And then number seven, be selfless. James says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. 
I've discovered something about Satan. If he can't defeat you through temptation to do evil, he will defeat you over victory to do good. So be selfless. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. You know, there's something about a selfless life. I think we see so few examples of anybody living a selfless life. But I was reading this story by Arthur Shea Serrano, and it's a story about uh, a young man, and this man is driving his car home, and his, and his car sputters and, and stalls out as he gets into his driveway, and he tries to start his car again, and, and I can't get it started. And, and so he, he, he takes his car, and, and, and the wrecker comes and tows it away and, and deposits his car there, and, and he didn't know what to do with the thing. He said, what in the world am I going to do with this car? And he popped open the hood, and he began to fiddle around with the wires, and, and he began to look at the hoses, and he exhausted himself, wore himself out, and uh, as a last-ditch effort, he decided, well, my dad's a pretty good mechanic. I'm going to call him, and uh, I know he'll come, and, and he'll figure out what's wrong with my car. And, and so his father listened uh, uh, as he explained over the phone what had happened, and, and his father simply responded, I'll come up there tomorrow after work. Well, this man lived 215 miles from his son, and his dad was going to drive to visit his son after he had already spent 10 hours driving the city bus. He was going to conclude his shift and then drive another four hours to get to his son to figure out what happened with his car. Well, he arrived late that evening, hugged his son, and walked back out to the driveway to have a look under the hood. It took about 15 seconds. The father emerged from under the hood, looked at his son, returned his wrench into his toolbox, and walked past his son in the vehicle. And the son says, well, what's wrong? He says, did you find out what's wrong? You didn't bring a whole lot of tools. What's wrong? The dad says, well, we're done. What was wrong with it? The dad simply said, well, the car is out of gas, son. This dad drove all that way, 215 miles, a round trip after 10 hours of driving a bus, all to help his son, who had a car that simply ran out of gas. You know, in Hebrews 4.11, it says, Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that nobody will go down this pattern of, of disobedience. You see, the Word of God is living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword. It pierces even to the dividing of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. It judges the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and exposed before the eyes of Him whom we must give an account. I want you to know the Word of God can give you the ability to overcome temptation. Even if you struggle with selfishness, the Word of God can help you to be a person that is not driven by selfishness. Listen, the Word of God is like a razor. The Word of God is living. It's active. I want you to know the Word of God is sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of the soul and the spirit, and it judges our thoughts and our attitudes. 
You know, the Bible says that it's living. It means that it is a, a vital power inerrant of itself. The written word of God accomplishes God's purposes. You know, as we proclaim the word of God through radio and through podcasts, and, and as you hear your pastor give a message at church on Sunday, the preaching of the Holy Scriptures gives God the desire effect. You see, the Bible is unlike any other book in the world. You know, when we think about the power of the Bible, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The Word of God is what's going to set you free. The Bible is the living, inerrant Word of God. It is powerful. That's why in many countries it's illegal. Why? Because they are afraid of the power of the Word of God. You can see the Word of God in action within the pages of the Bible itself. On the day of Pentecost, Peter preached the Word of God, and his audience, it says, were cut to the heart and said to Peter and said to the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And 3,000 people were saved and added to the church. Later, the apostles continued to preach the Word of God, and the number in the church grew to 5,000 because many of those who had heard the word believed. You see, God's word is alive. It is active. The Bible is God's message to his people. You see, the Bible is alive throughout the world today. God is using his word to bring about conversion. When we think about the power of the word of God, we see the living word of God in action every time a sinner repents and turns to Christ for his eternal life. The believer's life is changed by the power of the Word of God. Commentator Matthew Henry wrote about the Bible, and he says, it convinces us powerfully, and it converts us powerfully, and it comforts us powerfully. Now, that's the Word of God. It makes a soul that has been proud to become humble. It makes a perverse spirit to be meek and to be obedient. It helps overcome sinful habits that have become so embedded in us that nothing can get them out. But the Word of God can eradicate sin in our lives. That is the power of the Word of God. The Word of God is living and active, and it comes to our lives. And the psalmist said about the Word of God that because I have the Word of God implanted in me, I'm like a tree that is planted by the streams of water, and I yield fruit in the right season. My leaf does not wither. The scriptures today are often downplayed in favor of man-made philosophies, in favor of personal experiences. But I want you to know the Word of God cannot be ignored. The Word of God is still powerful and very much alive. We also have the prophetic message as something that is completely reliable. And I want you to know, when you pay attention to the Word of God, that light shining into dark places, you discover that God will raise up your spirit, that God will bless you beyond your wildest imaginations. You know, when you are sleeping at night, you're still alive, but you're not active. A Christian university student shared a room with a Muslim. As they became friends, their conversation turned to their beliefs. The believer asked the Muslim if he'd ever read the Bible. He answered, no. But then he asked if the Christian had ever read the Quran. The believer responded, well, no, I haven't, but I'm sure it would be interesting. Why don't we both read it together? Once a week, alternating books. The young man accepted the challenge. Their friendship deepened. And during the second term, 
this Muslim became a believer in Jesus Christ. One evening late in the term, he burst in the room and he shouted to this longtime believer, You deceived me. What are you talking about? The believer asked. The new believer opened up his Bible and it says, I've been reading it through like you told me to. And I just read that the Word of God is living and active. He grinned. He knew all along that the Bible contained God's power and that the Quran is a book like no other. I never had a chance that the Quran couldn't stand up to a living, active Word of God. Now I want you to know, when we share the Word of God, sometimes truth is going to sound like hate to those who hate the truth. But you keep proclaiming the Word. You keep living the Word. And you're going to discover not only will your life change, but the lives of those who are around you are going to change. And they're going to change dramatically. Oh, I love the Word of God. I pray that you'll hide it in your heart today. So, Lord, thank you for your Word that blesses us, that comforts us, that convicts us, that is the way of our salvation. Lord, I pray that if there's somebody listening to this broadcast today and they have never experienced true conversion, that they'll be born again, putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And we're going to give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, listen, my friend, if I can help you with anything, please give me a call, 252-267-2365. Leave me a message or a text message, and I'll call you back. Thank you so much for listening today. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3220 South Battlefield Boulevard, Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, you go to our website at www.hrcc7.org. No matter what you're going through, remember, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.